This is the Love Your Mom Life podcast, where we get real about getting out of your motherhood rut and creating a mom life you love. I'm your host, Nikki Odin, and I know a lot about what it's like to not love your mom life. Being a mom is hard, and being a mom with goals and dreams is even harder. Over the years, I've spent a whole lot of time on the hot mess express trying to harmonize motherhood with everything else I want out of life. But eventually, I figured it out. Sort of. You can create a mom life you absolutely love. So come on, let's do this thing together. Before we dive in, this is my cute little reminder to please hit that subscribe button. Be sure to follow us on social, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And of course, be sure to visit the blog at youridealmomlife.com for real life solutions to help you take back your time and love your mom life again. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to the Love Your Mom Life podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be chatting with a trailblazing mom about how to get your baby to sleep, which is a topic I know is very near and dear to some of your hearts. Before I introduce her, though, it's time for everyone's favorite part of the show, the reviewer of the week. This week, our lucky winner is J.M. Hoff, who writes, quick, practical, and fun. I love Nikki. She shares helpful tips for busy moms in such an authentic way. I love her sense of humor and how real she is in her episodes. She definitely gets what it's like to be a mom with big dreams, trying to prioritize your family in the midst of doing all the things. Definitely worth a listen. Thank you for those words of affirmation, J.M. Hoff, and congrats to you. You just won yourself a free 15-minute strategy session with me to work on any area of your mom life where you feel stuck. And for all of you listening out there, if you'd like to chat with me and get a little help where you feel stuck... Just email me your review of this podcast at Nikki at YourIdealMomLife.com. And now for today's episode. Today's guest is a certified infant and child sleep consultant and is the founder of My Sleeping Baby and the Sleep Bible Program. Her main goal is to help her clients establish healthy sleep habits for their children. After experiencing the debilitating effects of chronic sleep deprivation from her middle child, today's guest was inspired to help families overcome their sleep challenges. She truly empathizes with her clients' sleep troubles and personally invests herself in their sleep journey. In addition to completing her sleep consulting certification, she's a member of the Association of Professional Sleep Consultants, and she completed the 2016 Infant Mental Health Community Training through the Hospital for Six Children in Toronto. She also has her Bachelor of Arts from York University and her law degree from the University of Western Ontario. She's a proud wife and mother of two girls and a boy, who are all great sleepers, and lives with her family in Toronto. She provides individual sleep consultations, facilitates group seminars, and runs an online sleep program and community called The Sleep Bible. Connect with her on Instagram at MySleepingBaby and check out everything she has to offer, including the Sleep Bible membership at MySleepingBaby.com. And now I am super duper excited to welcome to the show, Ava Klein. Welcome, Ava. Thanks so much for having me, Nikki. Oh my gosh. So exciting to have you here. I love what you're doing. And let me tell you, I mean, my kids are seven and nine now, but 
back in the day, we struggled, you know, when they were little with sleeping and that struggle is so real. So I love for you, like, I love that you had gone on this journey yourself, that you've encountered this trouble and that's sort of what sparked your passion for helping babies sleep. So why don't you just tell us a little bit more about that whole journey and and how that started for you? Yeah, I know. It's quite quite the journey and not such a common story. So basically, um, as you mentioned, I happen to be a lawyer by training. So I graduated law school here in Ontario back in 2011. And then I had my first baby shortly after finishing law school. And this baby was literally, I call her my unicorn child. Like she (laughs) just made me look and feel like the best mom in the entire world because she was always happy, always smiling, always did what she was supposed to do. And so naturally she was a fantastic sleeper Mm -hmm. and everything was great. And, you know, a year later I got called to the bar and I started working and then I had another baby and that baby, that second baby of mine, I could tell very early on, literally in the delivery room, you know, holding her that this was going to be a very different journey because unlike her older sister, this baby needed to be held all the time. She cried all the time. She'd go from zero to 10 at the drop of a hat (laughs) all the time. And so it was just naturally a much more difficult, high needs baby. And naturally what comes along with that territory is pretty crummy sleep. And so sleep was just not her forte whatsoever. When she was four months old, she was literally waking me every 90 minutes all night long. And I was so tired that I thought I was going to die. Now, the context here is, you know, as you mentioned, I live in Toronto, where here in Canada, we get 12 months of maternity leave. And I, I really hate saying that to um, an American podcaster with presumably American <laughs> listeners, because I really hate rubbing it in people's in, in people's faces, because your your maternity leave policy is just whacked. I'm just going to yeah put that out there. It makes quite no sense. So, you know, the context here, and I should also mention that since then, um, people have an option to take up to 18 months of maternity leave, which just means that, yeah, for up to 18 months, you have your job that's protected. But nonetheless, at the time I was taking 12 months. And so I was on mat leave when this whole thing was happening. Thank God for that. I do not know how I would have been able to use my brain and practice anything that, you know, resembles law while waking up every 90 minutes all night long. So when about a few months in, you know, she was four or five months old. I didn't know what to do. So I had no choice but to open up all the sleep books and figure out what was going on. I managed to make the situation a little bit better on my own. It was far from perfect. It was kind of like I made her 90 minute stretches go to three to three and a half hour stretches. You right. know? So it, it gave me a little bit of breathing room and it allowed me to defog my brain a little bit, which gave me enough clarity to say, hey, why don't I use up the rest of my maternity leave to get my certification to become a sleep consultant? Not with the intention of quitting law or anything, because like, who does that? (laughs) (laughs) Jokes. Total joke, right? Yeah. Okay, guys, Nikki also used to be a lawyer. So that's why this is like, especially funny for me to say that, like, who goes to law school and then practices law and then leaves it, right? More people than you think. But nonetheless, that was not the plan at the time. In fact, my boss allowed me to come back to work part time three days a week. So that allowed me to have this, you know, 
the side hustle of mine, this passion project. But not surprisingly, it grew a lot more quickly than I imagined. Because take a wild guess what happens when you help an exhausted mom get her little one sleeping and you change her life. She goes and tells every single one of her fellow sleep deprived mom friends. And so six months in, I saw, well, actually, I saw very early on that there was real potential to make this into something long term. But I'm also a very type A personality where it was like, I'm not the kind of person to just say, yeah, I'm going to just go out on a limb and quit my job and take this big, massive risk and do something crazy. I'm the complete opposite of that. Like, that is just not how I roll whatsoever. That's what other people do, not me. But what ended up happening was six months into this arrangement, my boss pulled me into the office and said, hey, you know what? We need you back full time. This, you know, flexible arrangement is just not working anymore. We're too busy. There's too much going on. And so we need you back full time. And I knew that this business of mine that was growing so steadily did not have the potential to grow at the same level if I was going to go back full-time five days a week with no flexibility. And so it really got me to this fork in the road where I knew that going back full-time was just not um, feasible for me. It also happened to be that that in terms of that particular job, there was very little growth opportunity there anyways. And then with this business, there was so much growth. At the same time, my girls were three and one. And so having the opportunity to work exclusively from home as my own boss while having two little kids allowed me, was so much more appealing to me at the time, given how wonderful flexibility is when you've got young kids. And so as scary as it was, I literally cried myself to sleep every night for weeks. It was the scariest thing in the entire world. I decided to not take my boss's offer for full-time employment again and decided, let's go see where this business can take me. Um, Worst case scenario, I can always go back to law. My license isn't going anywhere. Um, But once I was focusing on just my business full-time, then it meant that I could grow it even more quickly because that was my full-time focus. And so I haven't had to look back. That's amazing. And then, and then from there, once I was, um, I, w- I first was just focusing 100% on coaching. And then a couple of years later, I launched a membership, which is my sleep Bible program. And yeah, I have to, to this day helped over 2000 families get their little ones consistently sleeping through the night so that they can be functioning humans again. So here we are. <laughs> I love it. I, and I love, I love both, right? I love what you're doing, the actual substance of, helping family sleep because I know I, I I was not working at the time. I was a stay-at-home mom. Well, I mean, I had the maternity leave the with the first kid, but the second one, I was a stay-at-home mom. And even being a stay-at-home mom, if you, you're not sleeping, it's it's horrible. It's terrible. So I, I, I love what you're doing, but I, and I also love that that decision, that fork in the road where you were like, well, I could just go back to what I've been doing. I could be a full-time lawyer, which is what I trained to do, what I've gone to school for and put so much energy, money, and time into. Or I could follow this passion of mine where I see so much potential and be my own boss and do all the things that we talk about, that women with kids talk about. Wouldn't it be nice to do that? And I love that you did take the leap and do that. So can we stop and just like dissect that a little bit more? Like what was your thought process like? How did you weigh it? How did you make that decision and actually turn back to your boss and say, no, thank you? 
Yeah, no, it's it's a really good question. So I'll just you know, I'll just emphasize that I was only a few years in to my journey working as a lawyer, which I think made the decision easier because I wasn't in those quote unquote golden handcuffs right. that a lot of people are in, right? In other words, I wasn't making big bucks yet, right? I was obvi- obviously in law, you know, when you specialize in something and you get better at it and you can work your way up. And then, yeah, of course, then you become more senior. And then there's there's lots and lots of, you know, earning potential in that field. I was only a few years in. So I I wasn't in those golden handcuffs yet. So it's not as if I was looking at this big, massive paycheck and going, drat, do I have to give you up? Right? Right. So that definitely made the situation a little bit easier because then at the same time when I was calculating, okay, if I no longer have this flexibility and then it means I'm going to have to pay for a full-time nanny and a full-time nanny here is very, very expensive. So I'm going to have to have, you know, plus my three-year-old was in preschool and I was doing all these, you know, calculations of how much more I would have to spend to be able to, you know, keep this job that used to have flexibility for me, but then didn't have that flexibility anymore. I was going, no, this doesn't make it. This actually doesn't make any sense. Also knowing that this particular job didn't have any growth, didn't have any specific growth opportunities. So it happens to be that when I said, no, I'm not going to take up this full time opportunity, my next plan. So plan B was I am going to look for another part time employment or more flexible or, you know, better arrangement for me while continuing to, you know, have my business on the side. Right. And I did go for a couple interviews. Like I did have interviews in, you know, other places with a a similar type of role, but they were allowing me, going to allow me some flexibility, you know, in terms of working three days a week or working from home. Like this was well before COVID. This was before, you know, this was when working from home was, you know, this fringe idea out there. Before we knew that people who work from home tend to be more productive. (laughs) And we know that from an evidence, we have Mm -hmm. enough data over the last 16 months to know that. Um, So this was 2014, you know, well before we knew um, how productive people could be working from home. But there were places that were willing to work with me. But you see, then, of course, the hiring process takes time, right? So, you know, they they would bring me in for one interview and want to bring me in for another one. And then they have to talk about it and do we, you know, figure out their budget, blah, 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 blah. Right. <laughs> so throughout this whole time, this whole situation, my business was growing because when I wasn't interviewing, which took up maybe a small, tiny fraction of my week, I was working on my business full time. And so that was when I realized, hey, wait a second, if I were to take on even a part time job, I wouldn't have time for all of my clients. I'd have to cut back on my clients. And that was when I realized, hey, wait a second, is am I a full time business owner now? Oh my gosh, is maybe right? Am I? And so that was when, at a certain point, I think a few months later, when my family was like, wait a second, you're not going back to law? Are you? Are you for real? Is that even a thing? That sounds crazy. And it did sound crazy, but it also totally made sense all at the same time. Right. So 
that was sort of went on behind the scenes. But again, I do want to emphasize there was lots and lots and lots of stress and fretting and crying and figuring out, you know, is this for real? Am I doing the right thing? Am I shooting myself in the foot? But I clearly wasn't. And now let's take a quick break. The heart behind the I'm On podcast is storytelling because every mom has a story to tell. I know that when I talk to my friends who are parenting and we share stories, we all end up feeling less alone and more capable of loving our kids well. You can find information everywhere on the internet. Some is bad parenting advice and some is pretty wise. We like to think there's a lot of wisdom on imom.com and when you combine that signature wisdom with a great story, it brings parenting to life. We want a mom who's listening to see herself and her kids in these stories and rest in the confidence that she is the perfect mom for her kids. Check out the I'm On podcast with new episodes every Monday. Yeah, and I think that's just an inspiring thing for moms to hear, especially moms who are working with a side hustle who would love to turn their side hustle into their full-time job and how it, it really truly can be done. But it takes that paradigm shift in your own mind and looking at your own potential and then really believing and putting in the action behind the faith, right? Like you believed, okay, I think this has potential. And then you actually were focusing on it full time. And so that yeah. it could show you, it could give you the evidence that this is something that could be done. And I think the other thing that's important to remember is, yeah, you. I mean, it's not like there's going to be nobody hiring ever for the rest of your life, right? Like if it right. doesn't work out, it's not like, nope, no jobs for you. No That's jobs it. for you. I'm going to be homeless living in my exactly. car. Exactly. Right. Like not, I had to think through, you know, those, like, what is the worst, worst case scenario? And Am I going to be homeless in my car? No. That's that's not, you know, my husband was working. My husband's a professional. Like, we've got that income. You know, I exactly. Even if it takes me another few months to find another job, we're not going to be homeless in our car. And so when I got rid of, you know, that nightmarish worst case scenario, and I, you know, plucked that out of my brain, it did make things a little bit easier. And I think what also made things easier was just focusing on the next step as opposed to the next five steps. Exactly. Because it was a lot less scary for me to leave my job when I knew that my next step was to look for a job elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And and I was already, I was getting some bites. I was reaching out to, you know, I reached out to an old boss and, you know, who connected me with this person and connected me with that person. Because even though I was only in my field for a few years, um, it was still enough for me to build up a certain level of expertise, which, um, but for a lot of places is actually pretty beneficial because I wasn't coming to them demanding a massive pay a paycheck just right. Then, right. You know, I was still a junior at the time and it's a lot of the time easier to get hired as a junior than as a senior because juniors cost less, but, but I still, but I wasn't a junior that knew nothing. So I, I, I knew for a fact that, I, that what I had to offer was fairly valuable. Um, it was just a matter of, kind of letting, just sort of going with the flow, which is to an extent, the complete opposite of who I am as a person. Right. <laughs> like I really am that person to plan, you know, multiple steps in advance, but I, I have to be a little bit more type B in this scenario. And, you know, it taught me, like, I think type B personalities get a little bit too much flack. 
right? You know, where they're looked at as like too lackadaisical, too, you know, whatever, when really they're the ones that are way more comfortable with these risky situations or these situations that seem a little bit different or uncomfortable or, you know, out of the norm. Because a lot of the time, these situations that involve taking on some risk or doing something un- uncomfortable or doing something unfamiliar is oftentimes what gets you to where you want to get to in life, right? Absolutely. Yes. So let's, so as a type A, as a former critic of type B personalities, I do apologize for that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I totally hear you. And I, I want to highlight a couple of things that you said. And number one is you just need to know what the first step is. You don't need to know what steps two, three, four, five are. And that is the key to starting something new. And I, I love to, to tell moms that. And I, I love that you are you know, highlighting that for them as well. You have to just focus on step number one. And then the other thing is it doesn't have to be like end of days. You know, when, you, when you're doing this analysis, we tend to do like this very stark contrast with like, it, it's either I make it big or I'm going to be homeless in my car. Like the, mm-hmm. the, that's the way we tend to panic and, and analyze things, especially yeah. those of us who are type A because I, I am as well. Mm-hmm. And so we have to remember that, you know, it's it's probably not going to be the worst thing. It's probably going to be somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. And then stepping outside your comfort zone and doing something unfamiliar is is always how you're going to grow. That's always how you're going to f- find the magic. So those things, I mean, it's just, it's proof with what you're doing now. I think that's so awesome. And I love that you were able to to kind of tell your family like, hey, I, I got this. I, I know what I'm doing, like I, it's, it sounds scary. I'm walking mm-hmm. away from my law career for maybe a little while, maybe forever. But yeah, I, I've, I've like to have some faith in me because I, I had the same experience when I walked away, especially with my mom. She was like, "What? But what? What? You just you worked so hard for that. Why would you? Why would you give it all up?" And mm-hmm. the truth was, I just didn't love it. So, and, and there, there's, there's something to be said about that. You know, yeah, life's too short. Life's too short to be doing something you don't love doing. So now you are doing something you love. Yes. And how does how does it work? Like do do you do this virtually or do you go to people's houses before COVID? You know what? Even before COVID, it was all mostly virtually. So COVID didn't really impact my business much at all, which I'm very very grateful for. So um, I basically work with I work with people one on one and then I have my group coaching program the Sleep Bible which is you know I I call the Sleep Bible like my fourth child because I love it's, that name. it's my it's my labor of love. So, <laughs> you know, I basically at the end of the day, the goal is for the families who work with me to get their little ones consistently sleeping through the night and have it stay that way. And so that was one of the reasons why I created my sleep Bible program and and made it into a 12 month program. It's 12 months, not because it takes us 12 months to get babies and children sleeping. It does not. I'm way too impatient for that, (laughs) for for that process to take that long. I'm too much of an Enneagram eight for that to be a thing, but rather we want to make sure that sleep is always a thing. 
And so in my program, there's four different tracks for four different age ranges that you get access to everything when you're in the program. But the idea is that if you're in the first track, which is four to six months, and now your little one is seven months, now you can start going through, you know, the very short lessons that I have for the seven to 12 month track so that you know how to make sure to keep your little one sleeping, how to navigate the transition from three naps to two naps, how to navigate the, you know, specific regressions that you might experience or changes or milestones that they might be reaching, right. um, you know, learning how to crawl, learning how to sit up, learning how to stand up that can all impact sleep. So that sleep is always a thing. And then in the members only Facebook group that I've got for all the members in the program, you know, that's where all the coaching happens because we've got babies here, not robots. So people always have questions. Yeah, so that's of kind of how that works in a nutshell. Plus that's where the group coaching calls. We do live coaching calls as well. And so it's a very, I'm a very results oriented person. And so it's all about making sure that we get everyone from point A to point B. Yeah, absolutely. And that's awesome. That's what they want, right? That's why yes. they sign up to work with you. Hey there, Supermom. Do you ever wish someone would come out with a step-by-step system on how to keep your shiitake together? Yeah, so have we. So at Your Ideal Mom Life, we came up with one ourselves. It's called Mom with Confidence, the keep it together system specifically for super moms like us. And you can grab yours right now for $29 at youridealmomlife.com slash momwithconfidence. In two PDFs that you can download right now, you get a complete system that teaches you how to be better at balancing time with your kids and time for yourself, how to have more patience and less mom guilt, how to complete your to-do list each day, make time to exercise, create time to enjoy your family, and how to answer that dreaded question all moms hate. What's for dinner? This proven system will help you stay on track and get a handle on all the things. That means less mom guilt, more patience, and more joy. So if you've ever stood in front of the fridge minutes before you're supposed to feed your family dinner and berated yourself for not having groceries, if you're looking at other moms like, girl, how do you have it all together while I'm over here on the hot mess express? If you want to stop feeling spread thin and start getting time for yourself without the mom guilt, head on over to youridealmomlife.com slash momwithconfidence and purchase yours today for just $29. So do you have like an age limit? Is there a point at which you're like, your kid's too old for my program? Um, Zero to five, I would say, is my zone of genius. Okay. I love that. Your zone of genius. Well, I was going to say, a lot of children are potty training around two, two and a half, three years old. And -hmm. sometimes there can be sleep issues as they're learning to sleep through the night without, you know, wetting the bed. Right. I was curious if that was something that that you would be able to help with as well. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I can tell you, so two things. So number one, um, my girls who were both toilet trained by the time, like just before they turned three, they were still sleeping in pull-ups until they were each six and a half, um, which is totally normal, by the way. Like a lot of people think that when you toilet train your kids, that you teach them that you're training them during the day as well as at night. 
Daytime is totally behavioral. You can absolutely do that when they're ready. Nighttime toilet training is actually fully developmental. Um, it, you know, it, it just comes down to their, the maturity of their bladder. You know, how long are they able to, you know, are they able to stay asleep and stay dry for that 12, 11 to 12 hour period? Um, some are and some are not. And so, you know, with my first, obviously being a first time mom and she had all these friends at three, four years old who, you know, were sleeping through the night and, you know, without diapers at all. Obviously, I started to get a little bit nervous, but yeah. my pediatrician assured me that it's very, very normal. There are some kids that are dry by the time at nighttime by the time they're two. And then there are others that are staying in pull-ups until they're seven. And uh, and it's all within the realm of normal. So for if you have a child who is not waking up, who is still waking up like wet every morning, then thankfully it doesn't have to impact sleep at all because then you just put them in a, a, a pull-up and then they're all good. If you do have a child who is maybe waking up wants to go to the bathroom, then typically what I suggest that parents do is first of all, try and limit liquids before bedtime. Right. And as well, maybe try and take them to the bathroom around, you know, 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, like before you go to sleep. So it literally just means like, yes, you take your sleeping child, you know, out of their room, you sort of just, they're asleep. You kind of just put them on the toilet yeah. and then they usually will go pee. And then hopefully it can avoid them waking you up a few hours later having to go pee again. Right. So it usually doesn't need to get in the way of anything. In other words, it's not a trump card. A lot of people think that it might be a trump card, that it means that now sleep has to be crappy as a result. Now there's no there's no trump card here. <laughs> All healthy kids can learn how to sleep. Yes, I love that. And that's very encouraging because when you're not sleeping, as I recall, things feel like really impossible. You feel like yes. it's insurmountable. I'm never going to get through this. My kid's never going to sleep. I mean, I'll share. I had a dark moment <laughs> with my kids. So my daughter slept pretty well. So my first also was really good. I nursed both of them. So that had nothing like people were like, oh, nursing babies don't sleep. That I, That is not true. That's bull. It yeah. is total bull. <laughs> I, I um, got her sleeping in 11 weeks. So through the night and it was awesome, awesome, awesome. So when I had my son... I was like, yeah, he's going to start sleeping through the night around 11, 12 weeks. Like that, that's the way this happens. And we got to week 17 and he still wasn't. And I was so exhausted one day that I called my husband at work and I was sobbing, hysterically crying. And I was like, if he doesn't start sleeping, I don't know if we can keep him. And he was like, because there's like this safe haven law in Florida where you can just drop a baby off at a fire station. I was oh obviously gosh. not serious, but I was like, I was that distraught. Like I, yeah. I couldn't function. Yeah. And he was like, I will be right home. Like hangs up, comes yeah. driving home to rescue me. But I tell that story now in jest because obviously we got him sleeping through the night. He's I was never going to give him up. But I said those words out loud because yeah. I was so distraught from not sleeping. So it's, it's not a joke, you know, like you no. really like sleep is so important. My dad used to tell me when I was struggling, he's like, I know. So, you know, Sometimes that, that's how they torture prisoners. They don't let them sleep. Totally. It's a form of torture. It is a form of torture and it's effective. Yeah. It is. That's totally. why they use it. If it wasn't effective, then they would have moved on to something else. Right. But it works. Well, I, I think also the, the point is here, like, it's okay if you're struggling with this. It's it's okay yeah. if you haven't figured it out on your own. Most of us, most of us don't figure it out on our own. So I think we yeah. did end up hiring somebody to come help us. Um, she wasn't asleep. She wasn't necessarily trained in sleeping, but she was a, like, a lactation consultant. So she was, I don't know, somehow able to- She was able to help. Okay. Yeah. No, amazing. No, I think that there is this really 
um, unhealthy, borderline dangerous messaging out there that basically just says that if you are a tired mom, it's normal. You should get used to it. This is what you asked for. Suck it up, buttercup. Um, be grateful that you have kids because some right. people don't have children, blah, blah, blah. Uh, followed by, um, you'll be lucky if they, if you're sleeping within the next few years. And right. this is just what the life as a, as, as a mom is. And that's depressing and- to hear that. I can't tell you how toxic that messaging is. It's toxic. It's dangerous. Um, it's invalidating, you know, so, so just because there are moms out there that are struggling to have kids, it doesn't mean that you, it doesn't mean that you can't be exhausted and overwhelmed and wish that your kids will sleep. What does one have to do with the other? Why do we have to say, well, because you don't have this specific challenge, you should just be grateful. That's not how we humans are. We all have challenges and some of our challenges are objectively bigger than others. And some of our challenges are smaller than others, but it doesn't mean that we don't have challenges. So that's the first thing that I would say. And then the second thing that I would say is that we know how to get healthy babies and children to consistently sleep through the night. And so if you don't want to be suffering, you don't have to suffer. And look, previous generations of moms did not have this knowledge and know-how. There wasn't this industry, you know, 20, 30, 40 years ago for those generations of moms to get that kind of help. And I have clients who tell me that sometimes you know, their moms or mother-in-laws will tell them that being sleep deprived is like a rite of passage. Like, well, we did it. (laughs) We did it. You didn't let me sleep. And so now it's your turn. That's also not how it works. Like every generation, we learn more. Like this is, this is what the scientific method is, right? The science, the, the basis of the scientific method is that you learn more And then based on what you learn, you change things because you figure out a better way to do things, right? Like smoking cigarettes at one point, I think it was like the 1940s, 1950s was recommended across the board as a fantastic weight loss strategy. Yeah. People used it. You know what I mean? So if somebody tried smoking nowadays as a weight loss strategy, any medical doctor out there would tell you, no, 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 I'm not, let's, let's not right. use that strategy. We know a little bit better. We know a little bit more about the dangers of smoking than we did in the 1940s, right? Hopefully, so, right? Yeah. And so just because I, I think we can have compassion for our parents who did not have this knowledge and know-how, but it doesn't mean we have to suffer the way that they had to suffer. Well, and we should hope as parents that our children don't suffer the way we did, that they will be able to learn from from the past. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think it's awesome that you're, that you're helping so many people. So do you have any kind of like, is there some sort of quick tip you could give the listeners right now as who are struggling? Is there like a universal quick tip that you give to parents? Totally. Well, I mean, here's what I'll say. What I'll say is that there are a few very common um, culprits of over of of underlying sleep issues that people reach out to me for and, and join my program for that are that cause all sorts of unnecessary night wakings and cause bedtime battles and cause short crummy naps. And one of those culprits is the inability to fall asleep independently. And so that means if you have an infant, a toddler, or a preschooler, 
that you're not able to simply, you know, do their bedtime routine, tuck them in, say goodnight and leave. And instead, you have to help them fall asleep or help them get sleepy, whether it means you feed them, you rock them, you lie down next to them, you rub their back, you pat their bum, you do something to help them get sleepy or fall asleep. There is a very, very, very high likelihood that your little one is going to wake up unnecessarily because of that help, because they need you to help them go back to sleep. Right. And the same thing goes with it taking them much longer to fall asleep. If they need you to help them fall asleep, then yeah, that could end up taking a really, really long time as opposed to, I know, like, I don't need someone to help me fall asleep. And so it just means that when I go to bed on time, I lie in my bed and within 10 minutes, I'm asleep, right? That's fairly typical. And so with babies and kids, it's honestly no different. Um, it can also cause short crummy naps, right? Because it means that they don't have the tools in their toolbox to put themselves back to sleep. So I would say the majority of the time when people reach out for help and they're struggling with something when it comes to sleep, there's almost always a sleep crutch involved. So a sleep right. crutch is basically defined as something external that a baby or a child relies on to fall asleep that they can't recreate on their own. So for example, if the child relies on getting their back rubbed all the way to sleep, then that's by definition a crutch because when they wake up at night and they realize that you're no longer rubbing their back, <laughs> they can't right. do it on their own, right? They need you to come back and help them versus let's say you have a child that needs their, their, stuffed bunny to fall asleep. They have a special lovey of some kind. That's wonderful. That's fantastic. Because if they rely on it to fall asleep, no one's taking it away at nighttime, right? right? right. They're lying down with their little bunny. And then it means that when they wake up and, oh, the bunny's like a foot away, they can just grab the bunny by themselves and roll over and go back to sleep. So that, on the other hand, is defined as like a sleep tool, so a sleep tool or something helpful is, yes, it's something external, but it's not something that's going to disappear. So that's the difference. Right. That's super helpful. And so I would imagine people are like, well, well how am I supposed to just stop rubbing their back? They'll never fall asleep. And you must guide them through that process of transitioning. A hundred percent. Listen, this is where, so first of all, they, here's the thing is that yes, humans are routine-based beings. And so we thrive when we thrive on routine and your child is no different. And so when we switch up the routine and we introduce new behaviors and new routines, we're going to get some pushback at first yeah. because it's going to be different than what they're used to. But different doesn't mean bad. They don't know that. We know that. We know that different doesn't mean bad. But they don't understand that because they don't have critical thinking skills just yet. Right. They won't have they and and spoiler alert, they won't have those critical thinking skills for a while. <laughs> so, you know, in the meantime, thank God they have parents, right? So so a hundred percent, we're going to get pushback, but it doesn't mean that they can't adapt. It just means that they're going to push back at first, but then they will app they can absolutely adapt to new routines and new changes regardless of how strong-willed your little one is and regardless <laughs> of how old they might be. Yes, I'm talking to you. I know that you've got some listeners there who are like, oh, but my kid's too strong-willed. Or my kid's already 
she's already a year. She's already two years. She's already three years, four years, five years. I've heard it all, right? It's like insert age of child. My (laughs) child is too old because she is X number of months old. I'm telling you, there is, it's never too late to introduce new routines. We're not talking about teaching an old dog new tricks here. If your child is four years old, they're four, they're not 40. Right. (laughs) Um, You know, or or 90 for that matter. And if your child is very, very strong-willed, then what it means is that you might get more pushback from them. It doesn't mean that with the right plan in place, we can't introduce new routines. We absolutely can. And in fact, I find that with the more high needs children, they desperately need that uninterrupted sleep more than anyone because they, one of their struggles is with emotional regulation. I mean, all children struggle with regulating their emotions, but some kids struggle more than others, right? You know, my, my middle child was totally that kid who, as I said, she'd go from zero to 10, the drop of a hat. She tantrumed, you know, very uh, frequently. I mean, more frequently than my older daughter did. That was for sure. And she definitely, definitely was, you know, defined as like a high needs, difficult child. But what it meant was that by the time I finally got her sleeping like a champ, and spoiler alert, I should just say that I ended up hiring my teacher to help me with her as I was getting trained as a sleep consultant myself. Yeah, I noticed that her neediness or the intensity of the neediness dropped pretty dramatically, I would say. In that it's, it's not as if she became this new child, though sometimes people tell me, They'll say to me, Eva, I feel like I have a new kid where my kid was cranky and miserable all day long and I've never seen him so happy in his entire life. That does happen. With my child, on the other hand, she was always a more needy child, but the intensity dropped so noticeably that the the number of temper tantrums went down. The intensity of the temper tantrums went down. The length of them went down. And all of a sudden she became so much more easygoing, relatively speaking, right? You know, given that this is who she is as a kid, it meant that I could put her down. I didn't have to hold her all day long because she was cranky all the time. I could put her down and she had the stamina to play independently. She had the interest to play independently. What I also noticed and what a lot of people notice as well is especially if you have a child who isn't the greatest eater, that when you finally got, get them sleeping better, or you, you get them sleeping through the night like a champ, their eating improves. Interesting. And their solid food intake improves. Yes, because you see, what we adults forget is that eating solid food for them is work. We forget that because for us, it's effortless, right? It's completely effortless, a little bit too effortless. But (laughs) for them, it's real work where they have to sit down and concentrate and use that pincer grasp of theirs to like pick up that piece of sweet potato and put it in their mouth and, you know, chew it and swallow it and digest everything and, you know, actually concentrate on all this. And when you have a child who was so sleep deprived, they're going to just go, oh, screw this. I can't. So, you know, wow. you put them in the high chair and they're just throwing the food all over the place and they're just cranky and irritable and all, and they basically just say, I just want a nurse. 
I just want a bottle. I don't want to be bothered with this. But suddenly you actually get them sleeping through the night like a champ. You get them giving you beautiful naps during the day. Now they've got the gas in their tank to sit down and say, oh, cool. This piece of sweet potato feels nice and mushy in my hands. Right. I wonder how it feels in my mouth. Right. They actually have the stamina to explore and eat food properly because they are now sleeping well. A lot of people think that that it's the poor eating that causes the poor sleeping when it's actually usually the opposite. It's usually the poor sleeping causing the poor eating. And so and so I would say, you know, if your kids fall into any of those categories, then hopefully this is lighting like, you know, a fire beneath you to say, hey, you know what? This sleep, this sleep issue is definitely having a domino effect on other things in terms yes. of behavior, in terms of feeds. Let's get the sleep sorted out and then we can we can hopefully see improvements in other areas of their life as well. That's what I was just thinking as you were speaking. I, I was thinking sleep sounds like a lead domino to totally. eliminate so many other problems. And 100%. I had never and you, realized And that. you know what? It's the lead domino when it comes to our maternal mental health as well. Um, so in that, I, I actually, a little while ago, I had a child psychologist come onto my podcast, a local psychologist here in Toronto, whose practice, um, she specializes exclusively in perinatal mental health. So, you know, prenatal, postpartum, like preconception, prenatal, postpartum mental health. And when she has clients come into her office who are struggling with postpartum mood, you know, depression, anxiety, et cetera. And then they also have the, she had the very first thing that she asks them is about sleep. And more often than not, they've got a young baby at home, a baby of, you know, any, any age, a young baby, even a toddler for that matter. And they'll usually tell them that no, sleep is not great. My little one is still waking me up, you know, three, four or five times a night. And she always tells them to go and work with a sleep professional or invest in a program so that we can get your baby sleeping. Because at the end of the day, sleep deprivation contributes hugely to depression, anxiety, other mood issues, because your brain isn't getting the oxygen that it needs to be able to regulate your emotions properly. And so... When you are sleep deprived and you're dealing with, and you're dealing with something like PPA or PPD, she said flat out, she's like, we're going to hit a brick wall in terms of the type of work that we're going to be able to do because your body is being deprived of something so essential for your basic survival, let alone being able to thrive. Right. And so she she always tells her clients, you need to go and take care of sleep, because then you see what happens is that when a mom is not getting the sleep that she needs, it has that really ugly domino effect where then it means you're not going to have the energy to make yourself that healthy chicken stir fry for dinner. Right. Even though it might only take you, you know, 10, 15 minutes. You're in survival mode. You're chronic. Totally. You're going to be heating up that frozen pizza. And then nothing wrong with eating frozen pizza sometimes. But when you're living on it, (laughs) you're going to feel like garbage even more. Right. And then and then from there, you're not going to have the energy to do even that 10 minute 
exercise or go for that 20 minute walk. That's also going to make you feel good. Nor are you going to have the energy to go and see your friends and do the things that you love to do that make you feel good all because you're not getting sleep. So the maternal mental health piece when it comes to sleep is massive because without it, you know, nutrition suffers, exercise suffers, just overall well-being just all goes to the wayside. But then on the flip side, when mom does start to sleep properly and she does wake up feeling like a normal functioning person, not like she just got hit by a mat truck, it means that now she actually has the wherewithal to say, you know what, I'm going to make myself that chicken stir fry with brown rice for dinner. And ooh, now that I fed my body with such delicious, nutritious food, I'm going to go turn on 20 minute Pilates class. And then look at that. Look how much better she is going to feel from getting that proper night's sleep, that wonderful domino effect that it can have on every other aspect of her life. Or, hey, my girlfriends are going out for dinner. They're going to a patio. I can actually go and join them because I'm not falling on my face anymore. And then I can see my friends, which is something enjoyable for the vast majority of us. Yes, yes. So it's this wonderful domino effect that it can have as well. Yeah, it's it's like the deepest form of self-care, making sure that you're getting sleep. And and self-care, of course, we know. We talk about all the time as moms, if we're not taking care of ourselves, everything else suffers. Just like you said, same thing, domino effect. Mm -hmm. So you said patio. Is that like a Canadian thing for eating outside? Yes. Oh my gosh. (laughs) You know what? As I met, as I said the word patio, I was just like, oh, I totally forgot that Nikki's American and Americans don't know. They don't use that term patio because I I have American family. I have a brother-in-law and sister-in-law who live in Florida. And, um, you know, here in Ontario, like things were locked down for so long. And so when I when I mentioned to my sister-in-law, like, oh, this is so exciting. Patios are open. She's like, what the hell is a patio? You mean like <laughs> like furniture? You can go and buy furniture, like a patio set? Yeah, that's what yeah, that's what we think. Right. I, I, so yes, their patio, the term is interchangeable, where it refers to like actual furniture. But when you go out to eat on a patio, yeah, it's another way for saying like outdoor dining. She that's was funny. like, Oh, I know what outdoor dining is. Yes, yes. That's something we universally understand. I actually have a good friend who's from Ontario, too, in fact. Um, one who is here in Florida, and she's like she said that to me before, and I was like, what does she mean, patio? patio. Like she's going to sit on someone's porch? But now I get it. Right, right, right. There's a few other Canadian terms. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard the term serviette. No. But that must mean napkin? It's a napkin, yes. Because that's how you would say it. I, I in, Span- in Spanish, it's very similar, so that's... That's the only reason. I yeah, I mean, I think it's it's it might be I might have a French origin to it, but yeah, my grandmother always asks whenever I'm around her, Eva, can you please get me a serviette? Um, <laughs> she never uses the word napkin, so yeah, there's probably a few of those words that <laughs> that the average American won't know what the hell I'm saying. Well, I'm glad we clarified those things. Yeah. <laughs> so to work with you. Obviously, you, they, people can either work with you like one-on-one, like you said, or they can join the membership or both, right? Yes. And you have you have like a master class that you teach that we're actually going to be doing on August 19th. I'm going to be um, sending something to all of you listeners and my audience, and, and you're going to be able to figure out exactly how you work with, with Eva. So tell us more about that little master class. Yeah. So I've got a free master class coming up 
um, called How to Get Your Little One Consistently Sleeping 11 to 12 Hours at Night So That You Can Be a Functioning Human Again, where <laughs> I basically go through some of the biggest mistakes that I see exhausted moms making when trying to get their little ones sleeping, as well as what they need to be doing instead. And then I take you through step-by-step my method that I've used with over 2,000 pe- people to teach that teaches them how to get their little ones consistently sleeping. So if you want to know how I do that, how I've been helping all these families, you want to come out to my masterclass so that you can learn. Yes. That sounds so awesome. I'm so excited to be able to offer that to the Your Ideal Mom Life community and listeners of the Love Your Mom Life podcast. I think it's just such a huge value add. I'm so excited that you're doing that. Thank you. I'm very excited for it. Yeah. It's going to be awesome. And I will have the link to sign up for that masterclass. I'll put that in the show notes. And of course, if you're on my email list, you'll be receiving it from me via email as well. So get excited if you are one of those women who really just needs to start sleeping again. I know it's such a such a struggle, but the the good news is there are people who can help you and it doesn't have to be this way. So just feel encouraged by that. Yes, absolutely. I mean, there is no such thing as a healthy child a healthy baby of any age who cannot learn how to sleep like a champ. They all can. Some, it might be a little bit harder to teach them, but it doesn't mean that we can't learn. So I want you to know that if you are falling on your face exhausted, um, feeling like all hope is lost, I want you to know that you don't have to live like this anymore. So please come to my masterclass so that I can teach you how to finally get yourself a proper night's sleep so that you can be a functioning human again. I love that. Well, thank you so much for being here. This has been awesome. Lots of good information, both on how to start a business and a new venture and, and <laughs> also how to get your baby to sleep. So we're I'm so excited that you stopped by. This has been such a great episode. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Nikki. Well, that wraps up our conversation with Eva Klein. I hope that you took something of value from it. And if your kids are sleeping, but you know a mom whose kids aren't, make sure you send them Eva's way and have them sign up for that masterclass so that they can finally start getting the sleep they deserve. We'll see you next time on the Love Your Mom Life podcast. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really hope you took something of value from it. If you liked this episode, please share it with someone you love. And it would mean the world if you would leave a rating or a review. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Your Ideal Mom Life on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I can't wait to be with you in the next episode of the Love Your Mom Life podcast.